things might sound a little bit different. I'm actually recording in the downstairs living room of our house. So you might hear cats quietly grazing, the gentle hum of traffic. And really, if I've done my job, you'll hear none of this because I will have post-produced removed it. I am now recording more podcasts than I've ever really seriously recorded previously. It's one of these circumstances where when a podcast kind of falters or falls, you pick up a new podcast to replace it, then you feel, no, actually, I really kind of like that podcast. I'm going to put it back on. That is the emotion associated with Attic Aficionados. So I'm now recording with Connor Sites Bowen. I'm recording This Comes Next with Jay Kimona. And recording with Jay... It's taken a slightly different twist. We've decided not to record on politics this year, which I think is actually revolutionarily smart. So this comes next and Attic Aficionado is probably going to sound more and more similar. I'm actually skirting which topics to talk in which podcasts currently. Maybe the aim is just to create one podcast out of the two. But anyway, in addition to this, I have Long Funk as well. And of course, Model Rail Radio which ain't going nowhere, folks. Model Rail Radio for me is an emotion. It's emotion associated with slightly older gentlemen getting together and having a good chat. It really is the embodiment of my grandfather in some very meaningful and profound way. Just understanding that this is a thing that people enjoy and I produce it to maximize the enjoyment for these people. And what I'm finding now particularly poignant is that occasionally participants pass away. And occasionally these kind of emotions and understanding, going back and listening to participants that are no longer with us, these kind of things, is it's okay by me. Good to maintain things like that in some very real sense. But one of the reasons that I started Attic Aficionados in particular was associated with mental clarity. I have gone through a period in the past three years of not necessarily explicit mental deterioration, but certainly migraines and then through the migraine medication, probably affected the migraines as well, loss of memory and just a variety of different factors which eliminated a lot of the swiftness that I once had. A wide variety of medical professionals have come up with a clear diagnosis for this, but as I continue to live in the Bay Area, continue to work for the company I work for, I'm thinking of other means, other methods in order to get my mind just that little bit more active. And now I find that forgetting things is actually the new normal. So in my professional life, I document almost everything. I have checklists and sheets that I go through to catch things, constantly adding to these things. I'm trying a wide variety of different ways to replace what used to be my active mind with some kind of mechanical mind in some real sense. But something which predates the migraine, something associated with my brain chemistry, which has always been there, is associated with low light and general winter-related depression. And it's so time-dependent that I'm not really interested in taking pharmaceuticals. I think the nature of the migraines has just indicated to me very strongly that the number of things that you have diagnosed that require medication you want to try and minimize that in your broader life so rather than taking anything for low light depression and general winter depression i've got a wide variety of coping strategies that i implement in spades now you need to appreciate the reason i'm recording downstairs is because my wife has had a very bad cold and I've been sleeping in the guest bedroom for I think the past three or four nights. So my mind is already of a quality of being woken up and 
not quite in the right bed, not quite in the right temperature, all these kind of things which add to any winter-related malcontents that I might suffer. But it's interesting, actually, because when I first found this, I remember I was about 22, 23. It's when I stopped drinking alcohol as well. So I must have been a little bit older than that because I'd been married probably for about a year and I started to realise in the UK that I was being beset with a depression which I hadn't really felt previously. So I went to the doctor and for a three-month period of time I took a low-dose antidepressant to try to understand what was going on with my brain chemistry between the regular Tom and the low-light winterized Tom and what I could do on a personal level, to try and address these things. Now, there are a bunch of stuff you can do. Get brighter light globes, make yourself aware that you're entering a low-light period. What I typically like to do, which I've not done this year, is have a vacation in the Southern Hemisphere wherever possible through the winter months. And this has been something that I've utilised a few years just to get my brain back into the summer mode somewhat artificially then to return to the darkened winter. But in terms of coping strategies, the winterized Tom is something that I'm getting more and more used to in terms of just realizing that there are certain things that I need to do in early October just to get myself ready for the onset of Northern Hemisphere winter. One of the things which is really basic, but actually I've used quite a bit, is sleeping more wherever possible. It's difficult sometimes with work to get the additional sleep in, but moving one's bedtime from, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 to 9.30 sometimes, these kind of things. I think last night, which was a Friday night, this is disturbing how old I'm getting, I probably went to bed around 9, which really is very shocking. But I knew I had a lot to do today and I knew my wife was still unwell. So I thought I'd better just fortify myself for this. Now, truth be told, I rarely sleep fully through the night. I frequently get up usually around 3, 3.30, 4 a.m., do a bit of work for about an hour, usually on Noble Ape, sometimes with my professional work, and I go back to sleep. And I found that this actually fits in with a wide variety of people's general sleep cycles. In fact, if you read the propagandists, 18th century, this was perfectly common. You know, the men would get up, have a light supper, smoke a pipe, what have you, and then go back to bed. The whole notion of eight-hour sleep has been artificially thrust upon us by the workaday world. So I'm not too concerned associated with this little bit of extra sleep. And certainly the second sleep is always far deeper than the first, which is something that I can look forward to. One of the things that I do, which is really very basic, is that I try to avoid any negative media. And this can be a wide variety of things. There are a wide variety of television programs, but also things that you read, also things like Facebook, which are just generally depressive. And the foible, not the foible, the plot part associated with bringing anxiety onto the viewer, these kind of things, yeah, I can watch those in the summer months. I don't need to expose myself to them in the winter months. And actually what I find through this is that I also tend to, like if I see it coming up or I get a sense that it's coming up, I'll just turn something off. I don't need to watch stuff. So what I do through this period of time is usually more, I don't know, browse reading, for want of a better term, but just generally something not to get myself into a negative emotional state. And I think particularly with the social networks, Facebook in particular, this is a relatively good strategy to have. 
just let's avoid stuff and turn stuff off. And similarly, I don't even use the N-word, but the news media, that's another good thing to avoid. There's not a lot positive that's going to come out of that. It's funny, actually, when I go through periods where I don't consume news media on a regular basis and then I just come back to it, it's like, hmm, yeah, similar narrative there, you know? I start to suspect that this might be an ageing thing, that this might just generally be something that people do while they age, but let me attribute it to winter, at least. One of the things that people mention about me quite frequently when they actually get a sense of the stuff that I do is associated with the general level of productivity. And part of that is associated with planning, part of that is associated with allocating time, but I need to also realise in the winter months that I'm not going to be as productive as I am in the summer months. And truth be told, when the summer months come round, the kind of productivity that I do is very different to the kind of productivity that I do in the winter months. So while I say that I'm being less productive, I actually focus my efforts on things like podcasts and you know, getting stuff together in a kind of comfortable, almost procedural fashion that I know will be able to come out and just, you know, basically stuff which is relatively easy to do. And in this light... Noble Ape fits in perfectly. Recording and editing podcasts fit in perfectly. I mean, some of the time it's just plain frustrating associated with editing podcasts. But you do at least get a sense that you're putting stuff out there. And in contrast to a wide variety of podcasts that seem to shut down over the winter months, I actually like maintaining podcasts through this period precisely because it is procedural work, right? I mean, the actual performance aspect of the podcast, that takes a bit of time. But once you've got the podcast recorded, it's just procedural editing going through, removing the ums, working in sentence structure, getting stuff making sense. If people start a sentence halfway through, try to work out what they're trying to say. It's amazing the kinds of techniques that I use actually in audio editing to try to make audio better. And it's funny, actually, if you listen to the before and after, and I've been passing this on to my co-host on Autoficionados, Connor Seitzbein, you do get the sense that within these small procedural editing steps, the overall coherence is returned to something which is at least moderately listenable. Sometimes it might be a little choppy, but let's face it, if it's choppy audio to start off with, there's not a lot I can do to it to make it that much more coherent. But, you know, editing podcasts is a great thing to do over the winter months. One of the things I also do, which is more a kind of know, thank you to myself, is watching old movies and going back and looking at stuff that's just old and interesting to me. Might give me a new insight, potentially, but really, ultimately, is something that I feel good about good about doing, good about wasting time. Sometimes it's just a nice kind of pat yourself on the back. But in general, the optimism that I see through the summer period and the relative pessimism that I feel through the winter months, if I could do things like avoiding fecal geysers, the fecal geysers were such a large part of my deterioration into migraines. So this year it has meant doing a series of things to just preemptively reduce them. So for example, taking a vacation in November, getting out of town, not putting any additional stress on the water infrastructure. Also, we've been very lucky with the weather this year. It hasn't rained too heavily, but also bracing myself. So, for example, we have a property which was previously tenanted, which we're not tenanting because it has a high watermark. That's never a good thing to show to a potential tenant. So avoiding the fecal geyser period, trying to mitigate the fecal geyser period, that is a relatively positive thing and something which I have enacted, or at least tried to enact this year. And so there's the winter months wane. They don't really wane. They kind of continue on and eventually it's kind of like slightly more summery. I reflect very heavily on my early childhood and my experiences in Canberra, Australia, where it was dark and cold and horrible for a good portion of the year. And then we had summer months and then it was dark and cold and horrible. 
And I guess really, if anything, I mean, obviously low light depression can be traced to a wide variety of factors, but it's the memories from my childhood that in fact irritate me the most. When I talk about aspects of my childhood, I talk very positively about Adelaide. Adelaide was always a summer location. Well, it wasn't always a summer location, but even in winter, it was better than the Canberra winters. So the day-to-day, week-to-week, going to school, waiting for you know, parents that were never showing up and this kind of stuff out in the freezing cold with a lone tennis ball, these kind of experiences, rarely actually I had a tennis ball to keep myself company on, romanticizing things a little bit. But the experiences that I had as a child growing up, winter was just horrible. It was all pervasive. It got into your bones. It made you blue with cold. The schools never had proper heating. The whole thing was just like, ugh, always, always cold. And just uh, no notion that maybe you know, doing things off a standard procedure because of the actual external weather, maybe that was actually a smarter thing. I don't know. I don't know if things have improved in Australia. I don't know if new generations still experience the cold in the colder areas like I did as a child. But I got through it and I left. And ultimately, if winter is a reminder of my cold childhoods, maybe it's a reminder of my cold childhoods that I can deal with now as an adult. Tom Barbelay downstairs with cats, quietly frolicking, strangely quietly frolicking around me, signing out.